Do you talk about it with your friends? Do you dare talk about it with your grandparents? The Sealed Section, talking everything sex for everyone. Hello Shaggers, I'm back. I know I went MIA for a couple weeks. Um, For those who don't follow me on Instagram and don't know the download, basically I went home for my 21st and then Daddy Dan... God love Daddy Dan. Uh, he sent us into lockdown the night of my birthday. So I got stuck at my parents' house because it was a stage four lockdown. And I was stuck there without my podcasting equipment because I was only planning on being there for a couple of days. So I couldn't pump out an episode the next week, unfortunately. However, I am back home now. I have my podcasting equipment. I'm never letting that baby go again. She's coming with me wherever I go because this year and the past year has been so fucking unpredictable. But we're back. And we are back today with Charlie Ford. We had a pretty important conversation today not that any of the others haven't been important but we talked about consent decriminalization the safety of sex workers to the discrimination that sex workers face not only from their clients and society but from corporate businesses such as banks which is a massive issue that I know myself until I came across Charlie's blog I didn't even think of because it's just not in mainstream media. It's not discussed anywhere near enough. So hopefully today's conversation is a good starting point for some of you shaggers to look into this more and start having these really important conversations and broadening our knowledge about not only the sex industry, but our own sex lives in regards to the consent we talk about in today's episode. So I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. I hope you didn't miss me too much shaggers. And I will see you on the other side. Welcome to the sealed section, Charlie. How are you today? I'm good. I'm hot. It is really hot today. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> are you able to please tell my listeners a bit about yourself? Um, so I am nearly 32 now. I keep forgetting my age these days, so it's terrible. Um, and so I entered the adult industry when I was finishing my second degree. Yep. Um, I ran out of money and I was like, well, shit, <laughs> what am I going to do that earns me more money? I was only yeah. earning my, my job that I was working for my old degree. Um, and I don't know why I decided the adult industry because I was the most socially awkward and shy kid but I did and found out that I was actually really good at it and fell in love with it and so even though I have graduated now my second degree I've been working in the adult industry for six years yeah Um, started off in escorting but I've moved more so into adult film creation script writing producing and I adore that yeah Um, so that's my jam these days yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you find, like, with uni, I feel like that's such an issue. You don't have enough time to, like, you know, do uni full-time, get a job to be able to live and make enough money to be able to pay your rent and everything and, like, all your bills. Did you find that that, like, just worked really well with that lifestyle? Yeah, it did. Um, like when I went through my first degree, I lived with my family. So I think it's yeah. easier when you're younger and you have the support of your family to like help pay your way through uni. Like I paid bugger all rent. I remember at the time thinking it was a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> but, as you would. Uh, 
Now, in hindsight, as a as a adult student, I I I had the easy life, um, and I think that it has a lot to show for um, the way that we support our students. That a lot of students do end up turning to adult work. Not that adult work is a bad thing, but the fact that people have to turn to it shows that there's a gap in our system at the moment. I think. Yeah. Um, but I was lucky that I, my personality and the type of person that I am was really suited to this as a job. And yeah. so it had a positive influence on my life rather than a negative influence on my life. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. What kind of things do you think a person needs to kind of have to help within the industry? I think you need thick skin. Um, it's a very superficial industry, not once people get to know each other, but at the end of the day, people are looking at advertisements where you've written a blurb that's supposed to describe an entire person in a few sentences yeah. and they yeah. get a few photos and that's it. And for a lot of workers, they can't show their face like I do out of fear of discrimination, judgment, yeah. um, by their family. So there really isn't a lot for people to go off in choosing a person. And so it, it can be a very superficial industry. And because of that, it can be really taxing mentally, I think, um, when your entire job is based around what you look like and how you write, I guess, in a blurb. Um, so I think you really need thick skin and you need to be really confident in yourself as a person, no matter what people say to you. Um, and I think you really need to not be in a for the money because I think that a lot of people come into it for the money and they get they either get really drawn in or they don't make what they expected to or the business costs are a lot more than they expected to but they end up in this like circle where they don't feel like they can leave because they're used to living a certain way yeah so I think you need to be like good with your money when you come into this industry because it's easy to get behind with the tax men and costs of running a business like this it's very expensive yeah I can imagine especially because like if you have to do it all yourself and that's a big step going from like working under someone and then having to take control of all of that yeah, 100%. Like for me, I'm blessed. I've, I've built my business over years. So for me, like I have a social media team now and I've got a videography team, but it wasn't always like that for sure. I used to do absolutely everything on my own. And even now it can be a struggle sometimes to having other people involved in the running of my business. So yeah, yeah it, people need to treat it like a company or like a business rather than just a way to make a quick buck for sure. Yeah. Uh, was it a hard decision for you to be, like put your face out there and you know take that next step oh 1000 percent. it was terrifying yeah, yeah I, I can imagine for everyone that comes out um uh it's I was really lucky like I knew that some of my family members would probably be okay I remember my auntie like a few months prior had had a conversation with me and I genuinely don't think she knew at the time I remember my auntie having a conversation a few months beforehand where she'd said oh you know like I wanted to open up a knock shock when I was younger with my best friend Emma so I knew when I started in the industry that I would have like a couple of people in my family that would be totally okay with it um but for a lot of people they don't have that luxury like how often does that come up in a conversation with your mom yeah. and your dad or your aunties it doesn't yeah. happen yeah no it doesn't um, and it was still terrifying. It's still your parents. Like you grow up as their little girl or their little boy or their little person, you know, like you they don't imagine that you are going to go off and enter the adult industry. So it is a big shock for them. Um, but I guess the thing that I've always said is at the end of the day, like I was a little girl, but I'm not anymore. I'm a grown ass woman and I make my own decisions and sex is a part of being an adult. And exactly. if I want to monetize that, you've either got to be okay with it or you've got to not be. Um, for me, the 
um, keeping it quiet and having to hide it all the time was more detrimental to my mental health than telling my family. So yeah. I just reached a point where I went, like, I can't, I can't live this way anymore. Like it's doing my head and I've just got to be okay with it or not, but that's fine. Yeah, no, I can imagine the toll that would take and like just trying to keep up your normal life and then also keep up that life. Like it'd be such a hard balance to try and maintain. Yeah, so yeah. I'm really blessed. Like I'm, I have gotten to a point in my life where all of my family knows, um, all of my close friends know, like the people who need to know know and half of my day job knows um, and all of my bosses um, support me. So yeah, which is um, awesome. I... I'm living a life that most people don't get the opportunity to live and I understand the blessing and the privilege and that for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. Have you found your face like any discrimination while working? Um, yeah, I like, I mean, it's interesting. I think, I don't think it changes. I think there's a big misconception that if you show your face, all of a sudden you're going to be doing much better. That's not necessarily the case. I would say that I saw more um, celebrity type clients when my face was hidden because if you are seen out and about, no one's going to recognize yeah, you. Yeah, right? that's very so true. Yeah. I used to see more well-known people, I guess, when I hid my face. Um, but I wouldn't say that it changed my business in a great deal. Yeah. Um, but it is easier to be discriminated against because you are easy, more easily recognized, I guess. Yeah. You know, like I had an incident with my day job. Um, I faced some discrimination not long ago. Um, well, I say it's discrimination. Um, and um, someone from my day job saw an article about it in the paper and then decided to send it to five other people and didn't really think mm. about the consequences of that. Yeah. So that's when I had to have a sit down with my day job and go, okay, so this is what I do on the side. Doesn't change how good I am at my job at the moment. And then I just had to yeah. cross my fingers and hope that they were okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I can imagine that would be, like so they wouldn't realize the impact that that could have and then like to just like go and send that around and and I suppose I think, prob- it's, easy. I think it's easy to gossip like oh, yeah, everyone so loves a gossip. good gossip and it's easy when you look at someone who has their face out to think oh they mustn't care if I talk about it yeah definitely but people don't think about the fact that yeah your face might be out but you're still an alias you still have a yeah. whole other life and it's yeah. still not anyone else's place yeah. to be telling that information then yourself really yeah no that's a really true point uh, another issue um that I hadn't even thought of is getting discrimination from like corporate businesses such as banks I saw it on your blog where these big businesses were discriminating against sex workers and not letting them you know open accounts and different things are you able to like delve into that a bit and like your experiences with those yeah, for sure. So um, it's quite well known that major corporations like banks, for example, look at the adult industry as high risk. Yeah. They say that there's a higher incidence of, um, uh, I guess, charge reversals. Mm-hmm. Um, in saying that, though, I've worked six years in the industry and I rarely get asked for a refund and it's usually for a decent reason. Um, like I've never had anyone reverse a charge on me per se. Um, I think that because the adult industry is frowned upon and there is this misconception of high-risk business, um, that the banks latch onto it really easily um, as a way to try and remove themselves from the industries in general. Um, I'm yet to see any true evidence that this is actually the case. No bank has ever come forward. Like there are a lot of organisations that have been working on this recently. And I don't know of any banks that have come forward and been able to show legitimate proof that there is a higher risk um, yeah. with the adult industry. 
but yet they still use it as an excuse. Um, in my case, what happened was um, one of the major banks sent a letter to a bunch of workers stating that um, our accounts were going to be terminated because of our industry um, and that we couldn't appeal it was basically what the letter said. Yeah. So I panicked. I took it to social media. Um, I, I ended up taking it to the Human Rights Discrimination Board because in my eyes that letter stated that they were terminating it because of my industry. And it doesn't matter whether I'm an independent worker or a brothel or whatever, you're still targeting my industry within that yeah. letter. The word was horrific. Yeah. Um, I can't talk about the results of the Human Rights Discrimination Board, unfortunately, and I think that's a really big issue because it closes down a lot of opportunity for discussion. But I was disappointed, let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, and I don't mind saying that much. Um, so it was left very unresolved. Um, and it's not just with the banks, like PayPal is very well known for it. I remember trying to set up a business for candles that I wanted to attach to the name Charlie Ford. And they asked, PayPal told me to apply. Um, and the second they got all of my work details, they banned me from ever being able to use PayPal with those details, even though I wasn't That's planning crazy. to sell adult content. It was just a brand. That's so <laughs> crazy. I can't believe that. It's really common. Yeah. Um, but it's not just banks, it's, it's, it all comes down to stigma, like sex work for years and years and years, for decades had a stigma to do with um, like a dirty industry or an industry that people who have nowhere to turn to turn to. Yeah. And that might have been the case like decades and decades ago, but it's not the case and it hasn't been the case for a long time. For some people, sure, it is a place for them to turn to. And because of that, I think sex work should always be considered like a holy grail and protected because yeah. it is a place people who are desperate will turn to when they need money um and because of that it should be treated with a lot of respect and it should be given like it sounds it might sound horrible to the average person but I think it should be left with a lot of freedoms because it is a place that people turn to for refuge but it's a place that a lot of people choose willingly and love it as well like in my instance even though I chose it out of financial need I choose it out of love today um and so I think that stigma is slowly being broken down as more and more people who enjoy the job and don't really care what other people think are coming out and being public about it and saying, yeah, you know what, I am a sex worker and I don't care. <laughs> Treat me like everyone else. Thank yeah, you very exactly. Much. It's just, it's work and like it shouldn't be treated differently. Um, what about in the health industry, especially around SDIs? Because I think there's a big misconception that, you know, sex workers are riddled with all these SDIs because they're having all this sex. Have you faced any discrimination within, like, that industry at all? I haven't um, faced discrimination in a sense, but it is a massive myth. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, like, you'll get the odd Tom, Dick or Harry online talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I've never had it personally affect me. Um, they've done a lot of research into this and they find that the average person has a higher STI rate than the than sex worker population. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because sex workers know that their sexual health is really important. We get tested every one to three months usually, according to laws in Australia. Um, yeah. Some people get tested more frequently. Um, and every time we see someone, we're doing health screenings to make sure that we're okay. Because, I mean, there are, there are things that you can look for on someone to try and work out if they have a sexual health issue. Yeah. You can never be 100% foolproof, um, but sex workers use a combination of things to mitigate their, their risks. Yeah. Um, uh, and so it is very, very safe. Um, and I think people don't understand that they probably have a higher risk. I did not long ago try to... Um, 
approach the Red Cross because it annoys me that sex workers can't give blood because they say that we have a higher um, incidence um, than the general population. Um, it's very grey in general on their website, but yeah. it's to do with sexual health. And when I contacted them, they said that there was an article written not long ago that found that the population of sex workers that they tested within had a higher rate of HIV in that article. But that article also wasn't, I mean, there, there was bias within it. It wasn't necessarily as big as it should be, and it targeted very specific populations. And I find it ridiculous that an organisation is using um, a research paper that probably could have been done a lot better in order to base that off when yeah, all other research we've done in the past shows that we actually don't have a higher rate. So yeah. um, that's a to-do list. Yeah, and, like, so many people, especially young people, don't even go and get tested and they're having multiple partners and, like, that's more risky than someone who actually knows how to look after their sexual health because so many people don't know how to look after it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think there's this big um, like social pressure as well to have sex in ways that will be unsafe. And yeah, definitely. Porn is, porn is changing a lot. So I don't think that porn necessarily tells the story these days and porn stars are very pro looking after your sexual health. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah. that um, there's a pressure from both men putting it on women but also men watching porn particularly older porn where I guess sexual health was not as much of an open discussion in the general public. Yeah. Um, people feel that this like requirement to not necessarily practice safe sex as if it's a bad thing or it's not going to feel as good or people aren't going to have a good of a time and it's out of bullshit. Like, yeah, it totally <laughs> is. I'm not practicing safe sex. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, I've had so many guys, I'll be like, oh, no, like, it, it doesn't feel as good. Or like, when especially drinking, they'll take the condom off, or they like just all those little things, or they'll, you know, they'll just argue to not wear one. And it's like, why do you not want to put your own, you know, sexual health first? But they just don't see it as a threat. Or if they do, like, you know, get an STI, they just kind of like brush it off and joke about it, or they tell no one, and then just keep yeah. doing what they're doing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We're lucky in that these days we live in a world where a lot of sexual health issues can be treated um, and may not necessarily be cured in all instances, but you can yeah. your, your life isn't going to end because you contract an STI. Yeah, like definitely. a lot of them are able to be treated. But I think in some ways being so forward with our medical research means that people um, are sometimes a little more lax of their sexual health. Um, which I find really interesting. And I think that's a big discussion among, or it should be a big discussion among the medical world is how to tackle that attitude. Because I've definitely come across people who have um, been very blase, for example, about HIV because now we have drugs for it. So what does it matter if I get it? Um, yeah, exactly. Really yeah, that is really interesting, actually. And like what may, yeah, like although there's medication, it should, like you still shouldn't like, you know, not care about like, getting it or wanting like because it still can impact your health and it's not always just going to be oh there's drugs for it it's going to be a straight easy road like it's just, it's not going to matter yeah exactly yeah treating a treating a problem after the fact isn't that exactly. necessarily helpful for the population treating it before the issue is the yeah even something it. just like chlamydia people don't see it as a big problem and I know myself I had it got it treated basically within like the month I first contracted it and I thought yep yeah, 
oh good done don't have to worry about it and then I got pelvic inflammatory disease and it was just like this extra thing that I didn't even think about because I just thought yeah yeah had the medication I'm fine now like you know nothing it kind of you know it's not going to affect me unless like I contract it again yeah Yeah. um what's something you've learned since working in the sex industry there is a type for every person (laughs) And there is a fetish for every person. And the people yeah. will do some weird shit, but I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. how interesting people's fantasies are. It is yeah. so fun to play with in. Um, yeah. Oh, God, there's something for everyone. Um, and I think that's important for women especially and men. Um, you know, pe- people get so caught up in the way they look and the superficiality yeah, they do. of their life and particularly because everything is like shoved in our faces on Instagram and Twitter and places like that and we're all trying to like look better and be prettier. Like our marketing worldwide is revolving around sex and the way that we look. Um, and it's so easy to sit there and judge yourself because of the way someone else looks. But if only you could step into my world, (laughs) (laughs) there would be someone that loves you just the way you are. Let me tell you that much. Even if you have a funny toenail or like, I don't know, like a third nipple, (laughs) someone's going to love it. I, I think people need to be a lot kinder to themselves and just take a deep breath and be like, you know, well, I'm sexy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't need to worry about what other people think because for every one person that thinks that, there are a lot of other people that are okay with me. Yeah, no, that's so true. I think that's something a lot of people get worked up about and they don't realise that there is definitely people out there who like what they're most insecure about. And Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for it's someone, all... it's the best thing about them. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. Yeah, but I feel like so many people just get so caught up in the negatives, they just can't, you know, push past and see that. But then, you know, for someone like you who has, you know, seen how many people and, like, so many different people and how much they can appreciate your body, um, it's awesome to, you know, be able to hear that for, like, a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I still get the same, though. Like, I'm not immune to it. Uh, yeah. um, so I totally understand it. I, like, still look at certain things and I'll be like, oh, I don't, I don't like that or... I, you know, that girl's chin is so much prettier than mine or something like that, but I've just learned over time to shut it down pretty quick in my head and yeah. be like, no, you're being an idiot. Like, but it's fine. Like, yeah. leave yourself alone. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, I was reading your blog on your website and I came across the blog post, Yes, It's Just a Word, and I think it raised such an important issue that just isn't discussed enough, which is consent and especially like the blurred lines of consent, not just the yes and no. Um, And the first issue that raised within that um, was when you were talking about the person who had made sexual advances on you and you didn't push them away because of shock. So then everyone just assumed consent was there. And I think that like hearing that, like I know I've been in positions like that and I think it's such an important issue that isn't talked about and yeah so you're just able to like address like that issue yeah like I so I don't have any like ill intention or anything like that towards that poor boy he was like yeah. 17 it was schoolies yeah my friends had kind of egged him on and then they ran off and left him with me and he didn't know that I was like really socially awkward and I hadn't been with a guy so like I I don't have any like bad words to say about him as a person but I think it's a very common story that um someone makes a move on someone else and you might not want to but especially if you're not 
um, in a place where you're confident enough to push someone away, you might end up doing things that you didn't necessarily want to do in the first place because you yeah. just didn't know what to do in that situation. I think yeah, it's really exactly. common. I think that um, we've talked over the years a lot about how consent um, should be given. And I think the problem is that a lot of people look at consent as being a verbal yes or no or a lack of a no. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily just about the words coming out of your mouth. And just because you don't push someone away, it doesn't mean that you therefore want it. Like there are a lot of signals for consent. Um, and it is really difficult sometimes. Like I genuinely looking back, I don't know if I even gave him a single idea that I was not interested, except for the fact that I was a little bit shocked and lay there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. like it's really difficult. And I think it's really important that people, you know, verbalize it in some way um, yeah. in the moment so that it makes it easier. I think it's also important for people to understand you can say yes and then you can change your mind and say no. Like consent can yeah. be withdrawn at any point in time. Just because someone says yes to you doesn't mean that you're therefore entitled to have intercourse with them for as long as you want after that um I think that's a really common storyline that a lot of other people face yeah definitely I think a lot of people are scared of hurting the other person too like in a form of like rejection because they're like oh I said yes but are they and then like you know are they going to think that they've done something wrong or that they're doing it you know bad or like you know that something like along those lines and they're scared of hurting them rejecting them so they almost just think it's easier to suck it up and go through it but then when you're left by yourself afterwards that mental like that battle of like oh why did I do that when I say this and then you know it can really play in your head when you feel like it wasn't consensual but you didn't necessarily say you know no I don't like this and I think it's really important that if people find themselves in those situations like if after the fact they realize that it was not what they wanted that they get a support network to talk to mm. is probably the most important thing um, and yeah. it's okay to talk to your friends but I think having some kind of professional help is useful like in my instance I was lucky there were groups around during schoolies that the government organizes that I was able to talk to in the aftermath of it to make sure I was okay yeah um I think that friends are very useful, but sometimes they can be a little bit too emotional or a little bit too opinionated. And I think it's important that you have a non-biased person giving you direction and helping to point you in a direction that's going to help you. Yeah, no, I think that's a really important thing. And a lot sometimes, especially at a young age, pe- friends don't even know how to respond to that. They, ha- or they haven't yeah. been in that situation. And, you know, they'll say things that they don't realise could be hurtful to the situation or, you know, not with, like, enough empathy or they just don't know how to address it and then you can end up worse than what you were before. And I think, yeah, getting professional help is definitely an important thing. But then I also feel like so many people are so scared of that professional help and they're scared yeah. to reach out or they think it's not a big enough problem. Yeah. And I, I've definitely come across um, health um, professionals who have been judgmental it happens it's a yeah. case of humans looking after humans like humans have yeah. their own opinions and some people don't know how to be unopinionated <laughs> yeah and some that's people so true do. so just because one professional is not the right fit for you or gives you a bad vibe or makes you feel bad that doesn't mean that that's true like you should never believe that you just need to go looking for someone else yeah no, that's so true um within your own work how do you practice consent 
for me, um, I'm kind of lucky in that people, um, or at least when I was escorting, people are booking me, I guess. Yeah. So people are giving me consent when they walk in the door and they pay X amount of money, but there's still consent around what we're going to do together. And usually I ask them what they want to do or what they don't want to do. Um, to try and engage and I try to use um, cues with their body language as to whether they're on you know liking something that I'm doing so um, if I start doing something to them and they seem uncomfortable I'm going to stop that or check in with them and make sure they're okay Um, I I come from a bit of a kink background so for me like kink is like heavily consent orientated and so I'm used to it whereas the average person probably is not necessarily that interested in checking in for cues and like verbal but like consent is sexy I always say that yeah (laughs) um and the more people are asking or do you like that (laughs) yeah you like when I do this like yeah well you can make it so sexy sexy exactly do you like it when I do this to you yeah does that feel good like that's so easy like it doesn't have to be like do you consent to this before (laughs) I do it to you yeah dirty it it turns into dirty talk it's the best yeah no I think that's a really good way for people into to incorporate it because like yeah it doesn't it doesn't have to be like do you want to have sex with me do you want me to do this like to you like you know putting it out like that like you can make it sexy which I think yeah. is a great way of just like incorporating it and everyone should start doing that. And it'll help people overcome their little fears of getting like vocal during sex because I know so many people get so scared to even make a noise. It terrifies them. Yeah. When I first started in the industry, I was very quiet because I hadn't had a lot of sexual experiences and I was really shy. Um, yeah. But I mean, I'm a porn performer, so I've kind of <laughs> like I've gone the opposite direction. <laughs> I went how to rein it in. <laughs> No, never. Yeah, Yeah, no, definitely. Um, And I've loved, I love being more vocal and like telling people what I want them to do to me or like telling them if I like something and telling them yes or keep going or don't stop. Like it's so much fun. Yeah, it is. And then you get to have like fun sex and sex that feels good because you're telling them what you like and yeah, keep like you can tell them to keep doing that instead of just, you know, being like this passive person in sex. Yeah, definitely. Have you ever found that some customers, like once they pay you, that they think they then have the right to do whatever they want and like that consent's kind of like taken away? Um, I know I know that it happens. I think I've been blessed. I don't think I've ever felt that way. Yeah. Um, everyone that I have seen over the years, and I think this speaks to the true type of person that books people, which is just everyday people. There's not like a client type, it's everyday people seeing me. But yeah. if I say, oh, no, I don't want to do this, or that's not a part of this, they don't push it for the most part. I yeah. know that's not everyone's experiences, but that's my experience. Um, yeah. I think that um, the vast majority of people who use the adult industry are just normal, polite um, often socially awkward and shy people who don't want to do anything to hurt you. Um, and it's only the couple of bad eggs that ruin it for the majority. Yeah. No. Well, it's good that, like, it's a majority good experience. Because I think that's another misconception that you were getting, like, you know, these dodgy customers or these customers that, like, want to just completely, like, you know, take control and that you're expected to do absolutely everything that they want. Yeah, yeah, no, it's the, the majority of people that we see are like the guy that sits next to you at work, 
They're like yeah. slightly geeky guys sit next to your work. Or your dad, I hate to say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's it's normal people. Yeah. <laughs> um, apart from like you know, it's incorporating um, consent, like through sexy ways during sex. Is there any, do you have any other ways that we can better practice consent? Um, I, I think being verbal about it is the best way to do it. I mean, I, I don't know if there's um, a much better way to do it than, than that really. Yeah. Like I, I think that, I think you need to, it's hard to teach people when they're younger. And I think it comes around to like, uh, I guess, education from a young age. I think that our schools could do a better job of educating young kids or making them understand that they they can say no or they can change the script yeah. um, in the moment. And it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. I think that I probably had two talks, maybe tops in my whole educational life during primary school and high school around consent and sex. Yeah. Um, and that's not really enough for mm. a teenager who is unsure of themselves, who is feeling pressured by social media and the people that they go to school with or the people around them to do things. Like there's a lot of social pressure and I think that we could better prepare our kids for it. So I think it's got to start from a younger age. And I actually think as much as porn has maybe contributed in the past to the problem in the ways that we show sex I guess um I think that the porn industry has done a really great job of um changing that over time and a lot of porn companies will show performers giving consent now um or they will show safe sex there are a lot of companies that don't give a shit if a condom is in um, a film or anything like that and porn is still one of the first places that children learn about sex mm, and about yeah, and, and about what to do. Um, I know that I probably came across sex for the first time off porn. I think mm. that I would have had a discussion with my parents about penis goes in vagina, but as far mm. as like actually seeing sex or understanding it and emotions involved, I'm pretty sure it would have been from porn, like being exploratory mm. and looking online. Um, so I think that the porn industry is doing a great job of kind of um, trying to um, help fix that or change yeah. that and trying to give people more confidence and, like, understand consent more. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing too because I know myself, I accidentally found – I would have – I was really – I was, like, five or something and I accidentally found it in, like, the history browser on the home computer and I just oh, – what's Everyone's that? Naughty. I your house. Know, <laughs> I, the home computer, like, come on. I accidentally clicked on it. What, that, that's how I <laughs> sex. I was so confused. Like, I remember just being like, oh, my God, what is happening? And, like, that, you know, that was exposed. But then I was so intrigued. I wanted to know more. And I would try and, you know, search it up myself because I was like, what, like, what is this? And you know, for kids who see that, because it's something that you just don't, you don't see it unless... Like, you, you just really don't unless, you know, you stumble across it. And then so when you do see it, it's so intriguing and, like, you do want to see more because you know it's also something that you shouldn't be looking at. And when someone tells you as a kid, yeah. don't touch that, don't do that, obviously, like, you want to do it. And exactly. Yeah, so I think especially it's good that porn's moving in a direction where people, it's, I suppose, more realistic of sex too and showing, like, the right ways to go about it because it can. I can see how it can easily, someone can look at, porn and then take it the wrong way and they don't see all the bits that come before it where they you know 
the consent beforehand, the briefing about what's going to happen and making sure everyone's okay and the debrief, because I think that's another thing that really gets missed is debriefing after sex. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and making sure people are okay. And I think the other thing as well that we're lacking in our schools is I know for me, I didn't even know that I was bisexual until I entered the adult industry and had sex with a woman for the first time and went, holy shit, like this is amazing. Yeah. Um, Because my entire upbringing, I was brought up looking at relationships as man meets woman and sex was when a man has sex with a woman and there was never any discussion about women and women or men and men. Like I literally cannot remember a single time that anyone had an actual conversation with me about it, my entire journey within understanding and loving bisexuality or the LGBTQT community is through my own discoveries. Yeah. And I think that's bullshit. That is so bullshit. Like, I mean, people, we're we're definitely a lot more open-minded these days and I hope that the schools have changed, but I actually don't know what they're like at the moment where the schools are actually teaching in more of a, um, uh, I guess, more, um, gosh, I don't even know what the word is, like a general way. Like, are, are they opening more diversified way? Are they having these conversations to include everyone, including trans, including, you know, everyone? Yeah. Non-binary, everything. Yeah, well, I know I only finished school, like, I think it's four years ago this year, and, like, that wasn't even a conversation, like, and that was four years ago, and, like, I know they don't really focus on that stuff in year 12, but it's still so important, like, there's fun, like, throughout the whole thing, and it's crazy, it's not a conversation, and then it leaves people wondering, and then the people who aren't educated about it, but don't identify within that community, have, you know, these ideas in their head, and, and they're not always correct, or, like, I know people who especially with bisexuality like I've had so many conversations about it because I'm bisexual myself and they'll go but like like aren't you just like like a lesbian but you're just in denial about it or like so many especially older people they'll be like oh they're straight now or they're they're like you know they're gay now depending on their current partner like they don't understand Mm -hmm. that it's just this you know it's it's just sexuality and it it can change or it can stay the same but just because whoever you're with doesn't mean that now you're straight or now you know you're whatever sexuality yeah I think where you fall on that spectrum is completely up to you yeah definitely and I think another important thing that it is fluid and it can change and if you're saying something one day you don't have to stick to that and you know you can evolve because a lot of people cop a lot of shit for that too especially like people who are get married and then they go no I don't want this and then they change their sexuality completely or they come out as like transgender or non-binary and it's really hard for people to people just don't seem to be able to cope with change a lot no and they look at it as like oh no you're like it's attention seeking because if you were really like that you would have been like that 20 years ago and it's like well no it's just society teaches us to look at things a certain way and sometimes it takes us a hot minute to like look at the world a different way you know like it's fine yeah, yeah. No, that's so true. Um, how have you found like the porn industry yourself working in that? I love it. Um, I see. I do a lot of my own content production though, yeah. which is a lot of work for me. But I love it. Like I love. I've always been a creative person. I loved art when I was younger, and so for me, writing the scripts, finding the locations, choosing people to work with, like it's so much fucking work. And for most people, they would like probably rip their eyeballs out trying to yeah. do it all. But for me, I just adore it. 
Um, I think I really love telling story and emotion around sex. I think that there are plenty enough mainstream channels um, looking at sex as particular acts as being a goal. Like, you know, this is a TAP, so therefore this is, like, amazing, whereas I like to try and tell, like, a human story behind um, the whatever's happening in the film. Yeah. Um, or at least that's my aim, and I really love more cinematic porn. I think it's an area that is yet to explode in the porn industry. I think there's a lot more room for cinematic porn. Um, there's definitely, I mean, it's like any industry, there are the good and the bad. Um, and I've heard some horrible stories from people who have been yeah. in the porn industry. I just haven't had that experience yet. Um, but I educated myself well before I came into it. And so I'm not oblivious to the fact that there is a slightly darker side sometimes. Um, but if you do your research and if you know who you are and you know what you want out of it, um, then th there are ways to work in the industry that are totally safe and that you can build a big career and you can be happy and healthy and enjoy yourself yeah which is awesome I think another issue that doesn't get brought up enough and a lot of people don't know about especially like young people in the early 20s and teens is paying for your porn are you able to like touch on why it's important to pay for our porn pay us yeah. <laughs> um although in saying that I used to be very like it is very important don't get me wrong I think everyone yeah. should be paying for their porn but um, what a lot of people don't understand is when they're accessing the free sites and they're watching those ads that crop up on the free sites, they're actually paying the performers because yeah. the performers get a revenue from those ads. So even when people are watching free porn, they are technically paying people. So I'm not totally anti-free porn, but the money is much less and it is much harder for me to make you some pretty fucking porn off ad revenue money than it is if you just buy a whole video and pay me for that. Yeah. Videos are so cheap. People normally sell them for anywhere between like four bucks and for a full feature, maybe 50 bucks. Like it's really not a great deal of money. If you think about how much you spend for like a blockbuster to go to the cinemas, you can mm. see like three pornos for the price of one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think it's really important that people do it. You know, like the industry is moving... Uh, the porn industry in general, it's owned by a very big company called MindGeek. So I would say, God, it's got to be like 90% plus of the entire porn industry is owned by this yeah. one company. Um, so all of the major companies are owned by them. And so those companies are built in a way that they direct a lot of traffic to their own stuff, which makes it really hard for the little fish to live. Yeah. Um, because when you're competing with this big company that has lots of money to create ads for their, their films and to, you know, get people interviewed about it and get media and stuff like that, when, you've, when you're fighting with that, it can be really hard to make a living in the adult industry. Um, so definitely I think that if you have particular performers that you love that um, make their own porn, then you should definitely be buying their independent stuff for sure because that's yeah. the only way that you're going to see more of them yeah I think that's really important yeah and a lot of people wouldn't realize I didn't know that um someone owned like 90% of the porn industry I had no idea which would make it even more difficult yeah so back in like it must have been don't quote me but I think it was like the 80s or it was a long time ago there was a big recession um and one guy slash company just bought out a heap of websites that were going bankrupt and then yep. built them up. It was really fucking clever. He yeah, must so be smart. Made, made now, like, but it makes it really hard for the little fish to swim. 
Um, And so, yeah, um, it's funny. You go onto their website and they don't even comment on the fact that they own all of this. It's very, like, generic and very, like, I don't know, we work as an IT company and are involved (laughs) with media or something like that. (laughs) And you wouldn't even look at the website and realise that they just own the adult industry. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, it is bizarre. Is there anything else about the adult industry that you want just everyday people to know? Um, I think that people, I really wish people um, would educate themselves on the rights of sex work. Mm-hmm. Might end with that. So yeah. um, it's a really contentious issue, um, decriminalisation, and Australia is in quite a big process at the moment. Like every 20 years or so, basically, you get a chance to review these laws. Um, and so we've had quite a few states come up in the last year or two mm-hmm. um, to go through this. Um, some have done beautifully and some haven't. So the Northern Territory managed to get um, sex work decriminalised, although there are some caveats within that. Yep. New South Wales was the first place in the world to decriminalise sex work 25 years ago. It must be coming mm-hmm. up to 26. Um, however, in saying that it's not fully decriminalised, there's still criminalisation um, in a sense for street-based workers, for example, which I don't agree with because they're the most at-risk population and we should be protecting them. Yeah. Um, Adelaide tried to pass it last year and failed and it was devastating, um, but I was not surprised because Adelaide is such a conservative state and mm-hmm. I genuinely think going to be the last state to pass it in Australia yeah. and Victoria is currently in the process of drafting some decriminalization that they want to put forward to the government to see if it will be accepted um, so we were involved I was involved partly in telling my story to, to parliament um, and to, to different people within parliament but there are a lot of lobbyist groups that were meeting last year trying to explain to our government why sex work is not an enemy and why it is useful to not criminalise it and why it's safer. Um, I think people don't understand. For example, for me in Victoria, if I decide that I want to work from home, which is safer because I know my exits and I can have strategies in place to protect myself if something does go wrong, I'm not actually allowed to do that here. That's illegal. I'm not allowed to work from home. I have to work outside of home um in a place that I don't know um and that's the only way that I'm legally allowed to do so and even then um like there's lots of laws around advertising which they changed like semi-recently like there's there's so many there's so much red tape that makes it really difficult for people to work and it makes it more dangerous um in Queensland for example where I used to live um if I work in the same building or room as another girl privately that's breaking the law even though that could be a safety thing Mm -hmm. um I can't technically call someone and tell them where I'm going to be and what time I'm leaving or that's considered to be breaking the law like they're considered to be a manager essentially and then they're criminalized like it's it's insane the safest way to protect sex workers is decriminalization and it should be decriminalized why is it in other industries, you've got things that you need to adhere to to be safer, I guess, but you're not criminalised if you don't do it necessarily. Like there are processes in place to that people go down when things happen. But like we just because we decide that we want to work from home doesn't mean that we should be criminalised. No, I think it's so um, stupid that that's even like a law and it, like I don't think people would even realise that 
unless you're looking for that information that that's a thing and like in Queensland how you can't work in the same building like that's crazy in itself and like how is that going to create more harm or put you in a dangerous situation if there's two sex workers in the same building yeah it's it's crazy and like they're very gray as well so you can read that section of their the of the law and not really know if they mean the same building or the same room or the same you know like it's so gray um but they they use that gray area to their advantage and Queensland is very well known for entrapping workers by pretending Mm. to be clients and asking for illegal um illegal um services or asking girls to do illegal things so that when they say that they'll do it then they'll charge them yeah which is so messed up it just sucks. Hopefully we can get to it. Like hopefully decrim happens soon and then because it just makes it so much more safer for everyone yeah. and then you have your of, rights. And all of the international groups like Amnesty International and, um, you know, like World Health Organization, all of all of the major organizations in the world are pro-decriminalization. I don't understand why it's taking so long for governments to catch up. Yeah. I know at the moment Washington. And it's not just an Australia push either. Washington yeah. DC is trying to pass it at the moment and New York has been going through a bit of a battle about it as well. So it's definitely worldwide. Um, and I think we all just need to wake up. We're pretty woke these days in a lot of other ways. Yeah, We're getting we there, are. so we might as well finally wake up to this. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so where can my listeners find you on, like, social media? Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's start. Where do we go? Um, so I'm on Instagram under the Charles Ford. I'm on Twitter under Charles Ford, Reddit under Charles Ford. I'm about to start on Twitch because I'm an avid gamer under yeah. probably Charles Ford. I think it might be Charlie Ford, actually. I can't remember. I only just set it up today. Um, TikTok under Charles Ford. I'm everywhere. People can find yeah. me easily. Yeah, um, and awesome. then welcome to shoot me a message and say hi. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show and opening up and talking all about the adult industry. Welcome. It was fun. Thank you again to Charles for coming on and talking about these really important issues, not only within the sex industry, but issues that we face in our daily sex lives. Now, next week, Shaggers, I have Kate from Swinging Down Under slash Wonderlust Swingers podcast come on to discuss the swinging lifestyle and basically just the ins and outs of a non-monogamous swinging relationship. It is an awesome conversation and a really great one if you haven't really been exposed to non-monogamy before and open relationships and hot wifing and all of those different really cool things. So I will catch you shaggers next week for that episode. As always, Shaggers, if you have any comments, questions, or stories that you would like to share with the sealed section, please reach out to me either through my Instagram at the sealed section or through my email, emilyduncan at the sealed section.com, and leave a review as I would love to know what you guys are thinking. Mm-hmm.